Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. Of course, that being Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I am presently seated in the in the beautiful KSOO studios in southwest part of our great city. Very happy to be with you today, where we are going to spend the next couple hours right up till 5 o'clock, engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news, and politics. Oh, it's going to be a lot of local news. Lots of local news. A little bit of national, but lots and lots of local news. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is with us today. Thanks for spending some time on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO. Remember, you can stream live at KSOO.com or on the KSO mobile app where you get the fancy-dancy one-touch, one just one-touch streaming. Just immediately turn on the show or any of the fine offerings here at KSOO, including Main Street Cafe with Chad and Beth from 5 to 8 in the morning, that time of day where I am not up. There's something that happens from 5 to 8, but I am not familiar with it. Let's just say that. But I know Chad and Beth are there because people tell me it. They say, did you hear Chad and Beth? And I say, um, no, because I wasn't up. That's not true. Occasionally, I am. I catch some of the last hour, but five a.m. No, not so much. Uh, remember, you can always follow us on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P Lally Show because we are fully social media. We are socialed up here on the Patrick Lally Show. Oh man, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but on the PNL statement. But uh, Dan, that this is. This rain, this is weird, man. This is some weird and wacky stuff. I'm not, how much, do you know how much we got? Like, was it a lot? It just seemed like a lot. The city of Sioux Falls did not get at least that national observation site, the National Weather Service yeah. at Joe Haas. They got yeah. about 7,200s. See, that's that's not true because I saw 7,200s in about a half an hour over on the southeast side. And JP was trying to get home uh, from the southwest. I couldn't make it. Had to stop. Had to stop and wait. No, no, I will refute that because that is true because they have it in the bucket. Now, in other parts of Sioux Falls, yeah. there were areas where two inches of rain fell in about 45 minutes. Yeah, so that's what I think happened over by us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's a long way to the airport, you know, from 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 where the, from where I am as the crow flies. It's probably 10 miles. I will give you my country boy experience. Yeah, do that. Because... Growing up on the farm, you'd have the rain gauge out at your place, mm-hmm. and you would say, okay, we got 3,200s at, at our place. Mm-hmm. So then you'd go a half mile to the north, talk to old Uncle Willie. So, <laughs> Willie, how much you get? I said, oh, I got about 62. So, so from, you know, and that's yep. a half a mile. And yep. it's like, it always seemed like Willie had more rain in his gauge, yep. so Isn't I don't that, know if he was telling the full truth. Isn't that the way it goes, though? You, you know, you, you always, the guy next door. Over, over Yonner, he always gets, you know, the clouds just go right by your place. They lay it all down over at Uncle Willie's. But we also had some ground that was a few miles away, and we, that was the ground we called Over East. Yeah. And it seemed like Over East would get a little bit more rain yeah. than we would get at the home place. This is the same conversation people would have in the cafe every morning, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and we still have it today. I I uh, I socialed something out. I can't, it was a few days ago. I don't watch my friends at Jello Land News that often, um, ever. But uh, I, uh, I 
tuned it in for some reason. I was going to watch Colbert, which I haven't done all summer because you know, I don't watch TV in the summer. And they had three weather segments in the first nine minutes of programming. <laughs> That's how bad it's gotten for us in the weather. It never, it doesn't matter where you go. You still have that in you. All you, you know, the weather. And it used to just drive me nuts. It still does kind of, but I've, I've sort of taken myself back from it. It's very important. I need to know every day what the weather's going to be because I ride my bike, right? Yeah. You have a, a, a stake in knowing yeah. what the weather is going to be. Yeah. And, and we have the weather here, you know, twice an hour, you know, on the, on the top and the bottom. And, uh, you know, but that's. Three times in nine minutes, I had to see Jay Trobeck. That's a lot of Jay Trobeck in nine minutes. You know what I'm saying? That's probably the most Jay Trobeck you've seen in the last 10 years. <laughs> that could very well be. And I'd hope to never have to do that again. But we'll see. Well, you know, it was fine. It was, that's what, that's, you know, it's what works, right? That's what people want. I, you know, I once was at a conference. This was a long time ago. This is where uh, the idea for Argus 911 was first hatched, okay? It was at a conference in, uh, I can't remember where it was, but it was, it was all about uh, new technologies and digital stuff. And the guy who invented, like, the whole 10 at 10 concept, so, you know, before that, this guy came up with it in Philadelphia, um, you know, news was different. So he was the guy who said, do, do all the, you know, do weather, do all the teas, all 10 minutes. The 10 at 10, everything you need to know. And uh, he said, just drink the Kool-Aid. Just don't, weather, traffic, crime, just do it. Because that's what people want. So there you go. I, he was a very interesting cat. But he, you know, he revolutionized uh, local, uh, local television news. But then you also have to think about, okay, what do the sponsors think about that? Yeah, well, it's, uh, if they get the viewers and they get the numbers. I mean, if you get the numbers, you get the, the, the money. You know what I'm saying? Bada bing, bada boom. I think weather, they make more off weather than probably as much as anything. Yeah, I would, you would probably, yeah, the, the weather segments, you know, it doesn't matter which broadcasting company no. you're looking at. That's, that is vital to be able to, to keep people informed. And then people depend upon that, especially when you have the flooding events where you needed to bring out the oars <laughs> to get through yeah. the streets yesterday. Well, and you couldn't get through. You couldn't get through. Of course, we rely on our old friend, Phil Shrek. Phil's solid. You know what I mean? Just money. Money in the bank, Phil Shrek. And uh, he's not going to be on today, by the way. Usually on Mondays, uh, we I reserved a little bit. I took his time because we have a very special guest today. Normally, Phil's on at 4 o'clock. Uh, we have a special guest. We want to give him a little more time. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we did that. I, You know, it was other than that, late Sunday, uh, I ended up, we ended up camping two nights, by the way. Two nights. The old bones got up off the ground two nights. Good for you. Yeah. So, because I, when I left here Friday, my understanding was it was going to be a, a one night situation, a Saturday night situation. And as soon as I got off the air, I looked at my phone and I had a text that informed me it was, in fact, a two night situation. So it was kind of a mad dash, but got everything packed up, went down Newton Hills, got there about eight, got everything put up. And it was, it was really, really nice down there. The weather was tremendous other than being exceptionally dewy boy the humidity was was thick this weekend it was man my tent like is just weighed down by the dew but it was uh fantastic you know it's a great park i think they are uh 
I think they do some bug spraying. There were no bugs. There were no mosquitoes. At Newton Hills, can you believe that? Yeah, and especially with all the abundant rain that we've had, you'd figure that there would be a lot of bugs out there. I know. It was just fabulous. And I, I generally don't uh, take to uh, hanging out with all them campers, but it was really fun. It was just wonderful. So great, great weekend camping, and uh, we'll probably do it again before it gets too cold. Go at least one more bike camping. This was not a bike camping trip. This was just a pack everything into the car trip. And I mean everything. <laughs> we were full. For two days. Two days, man. Out in the, out in the uh, uh, wilds of Newton Hills, you know, you got to bring a lot of provisions. <laughs> oh, God. But it's a wonderful place. We have great state parks. I've said that many times. Uh, and so thanks to everybody down there who, who made it such a lovely stay. Lots of, lots of good stuff. We have a great show for you today. Our guests include uh, Mayor Paul Tenhaken. That is, the, that is the reason Phil Shrek lost his time, because Mayor Paul Tenhaken will be with us for the entire second hour, starting at 4 o'clock, so you're going to want to tune in for that. Uh, always good to talk to the mayor. The common man is our weird friend of the day. He has some issues. Let's just say that. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, Mother Nature on the Ballot. That's what I was referencing earlier. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. It's 318 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are going to get a little closer to free, or we're going to try to, here on the PL Statement today. Time of the day when we look through the news and find the stories and commentary that interests us, frustrates us, makes us happy, engages us in the broader public discussion, as news stories are supposed to do. And Stay connected with KSOO wherever you go through Facebook and Twitter. Don't miss any of Chad McKenzie with the Radio Pup app online. My apologies there. Uh, we uh, will uh, keep you engaged and uh, entertained here as we keep going and not make any more mistakes. Um, so I'm looking through the news today and what I see is uh, a column. Column from my friend. Okay, he's not my friend. My, one of my favorite columnists, Thomas Friedman from the New York Times. He of the three Pulitzers, that Thomas Friedman. And uh, I'm noticing something that I, I enjoy talking about, and that is the earth, environmental policy, that sort of thing. And his column is titled, What if Mother Nature is on the ballot in 2020? And you're like, hmm, seems odd. And uh, he begins, what if this time it's different? There is an assumption that the 2020 presidential election will be, will be business as usual. Donald Trump will run on the economy, social issues, and immigration. And the Democratic candidate will run on income inequality, democratic socialism, and Trump's character. The 2020 version of right-left U.S. politics. But I believe there's a sleeper issue out there that could force its way into the election. What if Mother Nature is on the ballot? Hmm. What an odd thing to say, Mr. Friedman. He continues, what if all this extreme weather linked to climate change gets even worse and more costly? What if the big 2020 issue is not left-right, but how 
but hot, cold, or wet, dry? What if the big 2020 issue is not who lost Russia or who lost North Korea, but who lost planet Earth? And so he goes on to talk about how, you know, you can't be, when you're talking about uh, climate change, you know, it's, there's, uh, you can't read anything into any one given event, right? We know that to be true. But he, then he goes through uh, some stuff here. This is, uh, in the in the words of perhaps Mother Nature saying to us, oh, you didn't notice me tapping on your shoulder these past few years? Okay, well, how about a little fire, Scarecrow? How about this? How about I bake Europe, set the biggest wildfire California has ever seen and more active wildfires, 460 in one day, than British Columbia has ever seen, and also start the worst forest fires in decades in Sweden, even extending north of the Arctic Circle, where temperatures this month reached 86 degrees. Meanwhile, I'll subject Japan to the heaviest rainfall it's ever recorded, and then a couple weeks later, the highest temperature it's ever recorded, 106 degrees in Kumagaya, northwest of Tokyo. And for a punctuation mark, I'll break the heat record in Death Valley, reaching 127 degrees, and burn the worst drought in living memory into eastern Australia, where the BBC quoted last week quoted a dairy farmer saying it's gotten to the point where it's cheaper to shoot your car, cows than it is to feed them. So, and Mr. Friedman's point here is that perhaps we should finally consider that the great debate of our time is not some of the stuff that we're discussing, but in fact, how our policies, how our actions are destroying the planet. Now, in another, and then taking that a step further, how America, that being us, has the opportunity to lead the world and actually prosper from the transformation to a green economy. This is a point that's being, been made many times in the past. But is now, is it finally time where the economics of this debate overrun the denial of actual science? He says, while climate scientists have long argued that you can't attribute any single weather event to climate change, a study last year by the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, you know, not, not, a, not a bunch of schlumps here, they concluded, the science has advanced to the point that this is no longer true as an unqualified blanket statement that you can't attribute single weather events. In many cases, it is now often possible to make and defend quantitative statements about the extent to which human-induced climate change has influenced either the magnitude or the probability of occurrence of specific types of events or event classes. Heidi Cullen, chief scientist for Climate Central Environmental Organization, was quoted telling the Weather Channel in July that the National Academy's report connecting global warming to the increased risk and severity of certain classes of extreme weather like some of the heat waves, floods, and droughts we're experiencing, carries the same scientific import as the U.S. Surgeon General's 1964 report connecting smoking to lung cancer. So then let's put this in context of the 2020 election, you know, the presidential, presidential election. Democrats have been casting about for a big idea to propel them in 2020. My free advice, if democratic socialism or democratic Trotskyism or abolishing ICE, 
the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, is what will get you elected as a Democrat in your district in 2018? Go for it. The Democrats must take the House back, but Trump would feast on those issues in a national election. However, if in 2020 we're in the midst of a more damaging droughts and storms than we are today, Democrats may be able to run against Trump's make America polluted again environmental strategy and his refusal to either acknowledge the threat of climate change or seize the incredible opportunity it offers America to become richer, healthier, more secure, and more respected by leading the world in clean and energy technologies. And this, you know, this is where I, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's Trump, okay? I, you know, you can take all the weirdness of Trump out of it. This is just sound philosophy and good thinking in the long term. Because Trump has no answer for that. He doesn't believe climate science that NASA is telling him is true. He is trying to bring back coal precisely when wind, solar, and efficiency are become cheaper, cleaner, healthier alternatives. Precisely when the four of the five biggest wind states are red states. And precisely when China has committed itself to owning the clean power and electric car markets of the future. He's trying to force the U.S. auto industry to bring, bring back gas guzzlers when the last time we did that, from the 1980s to the 2000s, Japan and Korea bankrupted Detroit and we enriched the petrodictators from Venezuela to Russia to the Arab world to Iran. One recent clean energy study found that 714,257 people in 12 Midwestern states work in renewable energy generation clean transmission, energy efficiency, clean fuels, and advanced transportation. Some 108,000 people in Ohio alone do, compared with 38,000 in the coal, oil, and gas fields. There's, there are currently This is an incredible stat, okay? There are currently 7.6 billion people on the planet. 7.6 billion. I'm old enough to remember when we went over 3 billion. In 2030, there will be 8.6 billion. Another billion people in just over a decade. As Friedman notes, if even half of them get cars, have air conditioners, and eat high-protein diets like Americans do now, we will devour and burn up the planet beyond recognition. So what does that mean? It means clean energy and efficiency have to be the next global industry or we're going to be a bad biological experiment, whether there is climate change or not. Does anyone other than Trump believe that America can continue to dominate the world economy and not lead the next great global industry, but leave that to China? China is going to beat us in economics. That should scare everybody. Clean power, clean cars, clean manufacturing, and efficient buildings have make everything we want to achieve in our society easier. They can lower our health care costs, cut heating bills for the poor, drive 21st century innovation, foster decent jobs, mitigate climate change, create more competitive export industries, weaken petrodictators, and enhance U.S. national security and moral leadership. I don't care what party you're from. I really, really don't. I really, really don't. But if you can't get behind that, and if you want to go back to some fantasy world that only existed for a brief period of time, you're missing it, okay? You're just missing it.
companies and societies that don't evolve, that don't advance, that don't innovate, die. That's true in economics, and it's true in government. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me, and I hope you do. Patrick at KSO.com. On Twitter, at P. Lally Show. Always like to hear from you. Coming up after the news and weather, it's the common man on Weird Friends. And then at 4 o'clock, the mayor, Paul Tenhaken. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. We weren't even supposed to be there. It was just another run. Took a detour across the river. Make it back home before dawn. And my hands were tucked to shake when I see headlights down the road. Mid July, Arkansas. The sure ain't cause I'm cold. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our chat with. The common man on Weird Friends. And uh, common, we were talking about things you want to talk to the mayor about, and we discussed the baseball stadium. What what else is on your mind, man? How, what else is going on in the city that's that's got you, you know, rumpled up? Well, you know, in my in my travels around our fair town, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a night owl, so I like to get around and, and uh, drive around in the evenings from here to there and do those sort of things. And I'm, I'm puzzled by the policy we have where... We turn to the yellow and red flashing lights at these very large intersections after 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. First I, of all, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What are you doing out after 11? Well, I've got uh, <laughs> I've got uh, adoration and um, <laughs> several knitting classes. Um, no, those ladies like to stay up late. <laughs> well, they don't sleep, so yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, there's when we do these things because we do these things. <laughs> okay, I know that but, makes perfect uh, sense now. But it's but but it is it's, it's a puzzlement, you know. I understand, you know, but we're people fancy us a big city, and that's all. That's great, but then we turn the lights yellow and red at eleven o'clock, and on main intersections, I just don't think that's a good idea. Have you ever been to like? Have you ever been to Fourteenth and Cliff? At eleven thirty at night. That on one any is, particular name? Yeah, that one's. I will agree with you. For whatever reason, that one is really bad. It's uh, it, it's just I don't know. It's hard to see or something. It, it makes me nervous. Well, you've got you've got four lanes each way, mm-hmm. plus turn lanes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, if you have five cars arrive at the light at the same time, it's like, okay, <laughs> I've got five cars at this intersection. <laughs> I guess it all depends on whether or not you feel lucky. <laughs> well, do you, punk? <laughs> you know, Somebody's so got to commit. <laughs> somebody, and then, then you start. And then, start, and then, then there's always the person who's driving while, you know, I've got yellow. Why would I even slow down? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, he goes right. 200 miles an hour through that. It's like, if, it's like the city planners said, hey, let's, let's have a little study in Darwinism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see who emerges from 14th and Cliff alive. Yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> it's like they've got, their, you know, they're on retainer from America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. 
or the ones where the, all the bad crashes, you know, where you see online. Like, yeah, and then you'll add the, the poor cyclist. You know, if oh, you're all no. of a sudden you're the guy riding your your bicycle. No, there you're going. Oh my goodness! And then you've got all those people looking around for all the different various uh, vehicular stimuli that's going on, <laughs> and then you're just trying to make your way <laughs> wherever you're trying to go. It's like, it just seems like it's a little for what 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 is gained? No. I mean, what is really gained? By doing that. A couple minutes. Because people, they used to not do them at 11, right? It used to be later, and it wasn't as many intersections. And somewhere along the way, people were complaining that they had to sit at intersections where there were no other cars in the middle of the night. Oh, 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 really? (laughs) All right. right. At at 26th and Sycamore, 22nd Minnesota, 14th and Cliff, I can guarantee you that there's going to be cars whizzing by there all the time, mm-hmm. and you will not like it at what what you experience no. on your way to macrame class. <laughs> I'm always, uh, you know, you you get there and you're sort of like you're you're looking for the person who doesn't know that it's flashing, right? As you mentioned, the the flashing yellow, like you know they may not be paying as close of attention as you might want. And they're like, oh, it's only yellow. I'll be fine. Or I have the flashing yellow. They must have flashing red. No. And it's, it's, uh, it's bad. And then everybody kind of starts inching out trying to figure out who's drunk. Oh, my God. Who's drunker. <laughs> and if, yeah, if you're the one and you're the inside lane and you're going, well, can I go? And there's a guy who comes after you in the mm-hmm. outside lane. you got to see around him to go around. And it's like, Honestly, okay, maybe, okay, turn them on, turn them on, that's fine. Can we do it at 12? Yeah. How about one? There you go. You know, at least, in, at least until all of, you know, all us good folks who are, or who are uh, using, the, you know, at, at ceramics class mm-hmm. are home safely. Yes, because and that's then, always done by midnight, ceramics class. Oh, I mean, it usually breaks out. You know, sometimes the kiln doesn't work. <laughs> it runs a little late sometimes, but, you know, I'm not generally home by midnight. Oh, God, well, I'll talk to him about that. Uh, would did, you? Did I, you? I would appreciate that. And did, did you know, you know, Patrick, what? today is National Radio Day. I didn't. So I hope you're patting yourself on the back. I mean, you know, kind of. Well, apparently that. Dan did, but I'm like the last person to find these things out. But yeah, what about it? Well, you know, it kind of reminds me of a story back of our in our youth. Yeah? I, you know, back in the North End, I remember there was a kid in our neighborhood growing up and his folks bought him an AM radio mm-hmm. for Christmas. And it was, he was so excited, you know, but the funny part was it took him like two months to realize he could listen to it at night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) AM radio. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Is this thing on? (laughs) Hello? That's good. I've never heard an oil painting breathe before. Come on. (laughs) Uh, That's my bad. I got to. I got to pay attention to the show more often. I still see you never listen to me. <laughs> I do. I thought there was going to be more. <laughs> you know, all radio. You know, all sometimes there's a, a sub, like a a sub punchline before you get to the. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. What's the real punchline? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, it, folks. This, These are the thanks. jokes. I'll be here all week. Um, <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs> I will uh, run those uh, points by the mayor. Uh, in the next segment, and uh, I'll see what he says. How's that I'll sound? be listening w- with Twitter thumb ready to pounce. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> the common man on Weird Friends, always a treat. We'll see you <laughs> next week, buddy. Thanks, Patrick. Take care. Coming up after this uh, break, we'll uh, 
preview the next hour, which is, you know, the mayor. So stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Know your right. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This Saturday is a big event. It's Step Big for Parkinson's. 9 a.m. registration and 10 a.m. the walk begins at the Canaries Baseball Stadium. $25 to register. It is a benefit for Parkinson's Foundation of South Dakota. For more information on that event or other events, go to the calendar at KSOO.com. And we got the mayor coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. I'm going to have to ask him about the, the, the spot, the streetlights. I keep saying spotlights. Streetlights for the common man and, and the ballpark. But those are jotting those down. They are, in fact, on my list. We'll be going for the full hour. If you got uh, comments or questions, go to Twitter at P. Lally Show, and we'll do our best to throw them out there or Facebook Live. A little tougher to keep up with, but we'll do it. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSLO. Hey, Segway! They brought me down to size. I could tell you blue. 407 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSLO. And as advertised, I am quite pleased to have back in the studio Mayor Paul Tenhaken. Mayor Tenhaken, thanks for being here, man. Hey, Good afternoon, and you're starting to get my name right. I can tell I'm, I'm becoming a known entity. People are pronouncing my last name right now, so <laughs> we're slowly getting there. <laughs> they were like Ten Hocken. Ten Hocken, Tenekin, Ten Hankin. Yeah. So. Well, now that you're the mayor, I mean, it's it would just yeah. be good form to, to yeah. get it right, right? <laughs> just get it. I'm not Rod Blagojevich. You know, it's not it's not that hard. It's but. <laughs> uh, no, um, you are coming up on Wednesday. You're having your big press conference. Uh, Friday, actually. Friday. Wednesday's the, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. What day is the actual 100 Wednesday days? is 100 days in office uh, this Wednesday, and we're having a presser on Friday just to talk about what, uh, what's what been happening in the last three, three and a half months. Well, thankfully, you've come here first because I can, I can sort of brief you on all these mm-hmm. issues that you're going to have to deal with when you go uh, in mm-hmm. front of the other people. Um, well, give us your uh, – rate yourself, you know, uh, grade hmm. 1 to 10, however you want to do it. How how did you do in the hundred first hundred days compared to what you thought you would do? Well, man, if I have to grade myself, that's hard. But I'd say a seven. You know, there's yeah. there's room for improvement for sure. But really proud of some of the stuff we got done. First and foremost, I'm proud of the team we're building. I mean, I had a great chief of staff and deputy chief of staff, and reminded of that daily of the stuff we're getting done. But uh, the director team, the new city attorney appointment, which will get confirmed tomorrow night at the council meeting, we really lucked out on that as well in the city. I mean, getting a guy like Stacy Koyster to come into the arena of public service, leaving private practice. He's a jag out the air guard. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of great qualifications for that. So really proud of the team that we built first and foremost. So if people ask, what'd you get done? You know, we built a team, one. Secondly, uh, though, really proud of the relationships we built. And I know that sounds really uh, cliche, but I want to give you a, a real example. Last week, I sat down in, our, in the mayor's conference room with Dr. Brian Maher of mm-hmm. the school district and Cindy Heidberger, the chair of the Minnehaha County Commission. 
And we said, how can we start to lock arms a little more so that when you have a, a school bond vote, Dr. Maher, the city can be supportive of that, and then that can be reciprocated, and the school district can show support of our projects to show that when this is these are Sioux Falls initiatives. We don't say, well, the school, that's, that's mm-hmm. the school district thing. So that's not the city's thing. It's kind of our thing. Well, they affect each other. They uh, totally you, do. You don't live in a vacuum. You live in overlapping jurisdictions. Right. And so there's been a lot of that where we're starting to try to come together more and say, what's the what's the we approach to our region with the county, with the school districts, with Brandon, with Harrisburg, with Hartford, with, you know, Lenox and so forth. Is, do you envision a time when you do, I mean, really, you know, I know we're not going to have metro government, but we need to have metro planning. We need to have metro communication. We do have metro communications, but communication between the entities mm-hmm. to a, a much greater degree than we have now, whether it's more of an ad hoc council or something like that. Do you envision a time when you do get more people at that table to have those discussions? I sure hope so. And that's what I'm trying for. We use the term a lot, regionalization. And some people get a little bit skittish when we hear yeah, about that because it's like, oh, it's one more step towards Sioux Falls, like, you know, encompassing and sucking everybody up. And that's really not the goal. The goal is... How can we, you know, expand our water reclamation facility and double the capacity and then let some of our sister communities kind of share in that and say, hey, you don't, you don't need to build your own. We got a, you know, Cadillac facility here and let's work together on this. Let's share costs. Let's share, you know, the revenues from this and work together versus having a siloed approach to some of these services we're providing our communities. The, uh, uh, and the fact is, you, the reality is that um, you're already connected in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. with I mean, just down to the, uh, the, uh, the dump, you know, mm-hmm. the sanitary landfill, everybody's in on that together. Mm-hmm. It, water, you know, we're, you're, we're all in on that together. So the f- sort of sign, trying to say, Oh, we're, we're not Sioux Falls. Don't try and big, big time us. That's a little bit well, provincial. You, you mentioned Metro communication, yeah. you know, Metro communication. We dispatch for the Sioux Falls PD and Minnehaha County Sheriff's Department. Lincoln County does their own dispatch. Like we're going to slowly get to the point where it's going to make sense for us to have one Metro, you know, communication mm-hmm. for Lincoln County and Minnehaha County and Sioux Falls, you know, and so um, continuing to work together for things like that and say, okay, we're good separately, but there's an economies of scale if we put some of these things together. Uh, it's, it's been a hundred days on Wednesday. So the, my question for you, um, is really, are you, are you busier than you thought you'd be? Are you drinking from the fire hose? Um, are you, do you consider yourself very hands-on at this point still, or are you just sometimes looking around wide-eyed to what degree are you really able to deal with the constant flow of information? I would say there, there's probably around eight eight meetings a day on average if I'm just laying out the day of the mayor. Mm-hmm. And in six of those meetings, I'm going in and I am learning uh, for the first time about an issue, about how something works, um, about why we do it this way. And so the eyes are wide open all day long in nearly in nearly every meeting. So that's exciting. It's also exhausting. So I rely really heavily on the people around me, you know, the the directors that are in place, the the people who have done that, the people outside of city government, like my transition team, who have provided me great advice and said, hey, just so you know, that's why we've done it that way. That's why this was set up, because 10 years ago Mm -hmm. we did this. And so that's been really helpful. So the learning curve is super steep, but each day gets about a half a degree better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it it really is busy. Do you have to, uh, are you at the the point where you're, you're just turning things away that you just can't do, you know, because you, you can't 
fulfill every invite. We, the the meeting schedule is really what's incredible. Uh, we get probably uh, maybe five to six requests a day for to be at something, to speak at something, to go to the school, to let these kids come visit the mayor's office, which it crushes my heart to turn some of these things down, but it's purely just a matter of time. Yeah. So I'm trying to say yes to as many things as I can while still being, you know, doing due diligence to the job and making sure that I'm giving the job justice and, and doing what needs to be done first and foremost, which is, you know, serving in the role of mayor. And every once in a while, you just got to turn everything off, right? You, you try. Yeah. <laughs> try. Uh, by the way, um, it was a, a question was uh, sent to me um, from uh, Facebook, from uh, the mountain bike community, they want to know if you've been out to Tut Hill to see the new uh, uh, trails. They're I have single not track. been out to Tut Hill to they're, the single track. They're inviting you out to see the single track. Here's so. the thing. I would love to. The yeah. mountain bike community has to loan me a nice mountain bike. <laughs> I have a Trek mountain bike that I don't know if it would survive the three miles of single track yeah. out there. So well, I'm sure they'll take care of you. Okay. I'll send that, I'll send that <laughs> along to them. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Mayor Paul Tenhaken. And uh, we've, got, you know, we've got a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, and uh, we'll get to all of those next. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO, and we are chatting with the mayor, Paul Tenhaken, and uh, we were just uh, coming up on the 100 days and uh, talking a little bit about what that's been like. Um, hey, I got a question for you uh, from uh, the common man Yeah. Uh, from the Weird Friends segment earlier. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about the ballpark. Yeah. He's, uh, he says, uh, as the common man, he's willing to wait in line, take his ticket, but he thinks that ultimately it's something we got to do. Um, I know that these are not official discussions. It's just sort of, uh, it's, it's happy hour chatter at this point. Um, but what are your thoughts? Do you think that we should be looking at some sort of baseball stadium downtown? Or is that just something that's not in the cards right now? You know, there's a lot of chatter around the stadium. Uh, there's has been for quite some time. And I think, um, what you'll hear from me in my office is that I would be very excited about a uh, a new revamped baseball stadium, but a lot of things have to happen for that discussion to move ahead. One of the things specifically is, um, you know, we have to make sure that we're putting a good product on the field, you know, <laughs> and that we got a good team that people want to come out and watch. And, you know, people people love their canaries, um, you know, but that league, you also have to say, okay, if we invest in this, what's the future of this league? Does yeah. this league have long-term viability in Sioux Falls? And I had some people who say to me, Paul, we get, you know, the crowds at the canaries games aren't that great. So are you going to invest a lot of money when there could be uh, better uses for those funds somewhere else? Right. So, you know, I love the idea around a baseball, same discussion. We've had a lot of great quality life investments the last eight years. It's not going to be a priority of my administration, but I'm not going to be a roadblock for it either. And I think it's going to take uh, some private sector folks to step up as well to help make something like that happen if the community wants it. And the latest inst instigator in this was uh, Tom Hurlbert, who mm -hmm. was a candidate for city council as an architect here in town, uh, uh, co-op architecture. And uh, he put out the, 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 the drawings that got everybody excited again. And, uh, but his point was you do have to look at financing uh, in a different way for a project like this, because mm -hmm. it's not just let's build this it, it, because it benefits so many different right. people. Well, in each of those models that Tom talked about in his, in his kind of op-ed piece there, and Tom's a good pal of mine, um, they're all done differently in different markets based mm -hmm. on the appetite for something like this, based on where it's located, based on the, 
the sales tax revenue that they're projecting would generate around that based on the climate they're in mm-hmm. and the be the ability to use a facility like that year round you know we have that kind of elephant in the room too is with a baseball stadium we can't use a baseball stadium from you know, November, October, a lot of times to April. And so Ice what do we do rink. with it? Right. <laughs> we got to make sure it's repurposed. So it still yeah. creates revenue, you know, when it's in winter. Um, the, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this idea? And I was just reading uh, a piece by uh, Chuck uh, Marone, who I know you heard yep. when he was in town yeah. from Strong Towns. And his assertion is that, that you can't, that building these facilities does not drive development. You, if you're going to do it, if you're going to take that risk, you can't do it based on some shiny object that's going to come with the stadium. Um, what are your thoughts on on the public investment like that as a driver of private development? Do you think that really happens? For instance, the event center. There's a lot of discussion about things that might sprout up around that, but it's never happened in the past, and it doesn't seem to be happening now. Do you think that that actually is something that can happen out of those private or those public investments. I think I think it absolutely can. And I'll use the the River Greenway as an example. In Sioux Falls, if you want a, a local example, the city invested in the River Greenway and the development there. And out of that, we saw Sharapa and we saw the CNA building uh, and we've seen the Equity Square across the the way now and we've seen six you know over 100 million dollars in investment. That's happened along the River Greenway. Would it have happened eventually uh, without that investment? It's hard to say, but the River Greenway investment is what kick-started the others into uh, starting to move their projects forward. So I do believe that public investment in the right location and at the right time can spur private dollars to come alongside it. Uh, speaking of the Greenway, there's another phase coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another, I can't remember the amount of money, but it's a fairly big chunk of money. Um, what are your thoughts on the another phase of the River Greenway project? Very supportive. Uh, we we budgeted in our CIP plan for this next year just the design. So um, you know no, no substantial heavy lifting or, or real work to be done. But we want to start thinking about the next phase, phase three of the River Greenway, because with what Sue Steele's doing and and with the Levitt right there, now is the right time to talk about kind of that last step of the River Greenway because there's a lot going on on that north end uh, of the river, north end of downtown. And so um, you're going to see my administration be quite supportive of the next step of the River Greenway for some of the reasons I just stated about the impact that that investment has on downtown. I had a call after the show um, last week, and uh, I know this has been an issue for Teresa Staley, the steps, the steps down to the water in a couple places. Do you see that as a public safety issue? Was that you misdesigned? Know, you know, uh, I don't know where those steps came from, you know, why they're there. Uh, I can point to the steps. I can point to several other things. I would say, okay, why did we do this? Why did we do that? Um, I'm glad to see that the council actually approved last week at our council meeting. They said, let's let's go to the South Dakota, you know, public alliance and let's let's get a third party a true audit done. It's not by the city. It's mm-hmm. by an outside party that will look at all these things. Because I think everybody has a little bit of a concern here or there, this or that around the falls. Let's get an objective third-party perspective on this. So I told the council, I said, you guys, if you want to carry that forward, we'll find funding and there'll be support within the administration to help you guys move that ahead. So I'm glad they did that. And what's the, what is the price tag on the third phase? I can- uh, the third phase of the River Greenway. Yeah. Well, all we have budgeted for is design yeah. right now. So I think we had like ninety five thousand yeah. or a hundred thousand dollars for the design of that for this uh, twenty nineteen in the CIP. So 
real smart, real, real small part of the CIP, and then that design will determine what the the long term costs are going to be to to build that out. But it's not cheap. It's, it's not cheap at all. It's no, ten million or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be a it's yeah. going to be a substantial lift for the city, but it's also going to be uh, you know right alongside. Uh, what's happening with Sioux Steel and what's happening with uh, the rest of the development on that north end. So it's going to be a very critical piece, too. We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and chat more. Your mayor, Paul Tenhaken, here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I ain't your baby, I ain't your baby. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we have in the studio Mayor Paul Tenhaken, and we've been talking about a lot of stuff as he comes up on his 100 days in office. Um, let's see, we got baseball stadium, we did that, we did that. Uh, let's talk about this this deal with the Huey building, which most people probably don't know where that is, mm-hmm. but there was a big controversy a couple of weeks ago at the city council over a very small piece of land. Mm-hmm. The Huey building, which is an old apartment building, between uh, 8th and 9th on Phillips, uh, next to uh, uh, the, the what's going to be the Phillips Hotel and in that area. Um, it's it's low-income housing right now, and there's some folks who have bought the building and want to rehab it and do something different with it, but there's this weird plot of city land right behind it that this they wanted the city to uh, basically declare surplus and sell it. Right. It was four to four, so it didn't pass because you weren't there. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, how would you have voted, Mayor? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, and so, so the issue at hand, which you did a good job setting up, is this is not pro one development, pro one development over the other. This is does this chunk of land fit the definition of surplus? Yep. And in my opinion, it does. Okay. So. I would have said yes, declared that as as surplus, um, and I've been on the record, you know, with that with that already. Um, what I think the 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 reason the vote failed is, I think there was a perception by voting this surplus, we are rubber stamping and approving the proposed development plans that that developer was bringing forward. That was not the case. We're just voting: is this does this meet the definition of surplus? Which it does. We still have to review the development plans, and we can still say, no, that's not how you use that, or we don't want to sell it to you if you're going to use it that way. And so a lot of other steps we could take to protect uh, you know, the rights, the easement in the back, the property entrance for the adjacent building owners, making sure their sa- the safety is there. So still a lot of other hoops to jump through before we would get to, the, to that point. So, um, so I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen with that issue. I think the property owners have to talk a little bit too on this and they need to come together and say, hey, what's your plan? And so that they can work it out and not necessarily work it out through the city council, but also come together and see if they can reach a plan on on that. I don't know that I've ever seen so many lawyers. There was a uh, lot. Testifying, not city lawyers, but other lawyers from other firms. And um, I very quickly got lost in why these people were there. It was a, it was an expensive meeting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for a very small, small parcel of land. But I, but I liked it because, you know, that, that shows that there's a lot of passion about this issue. And it also shows to our previous point, um, you know, what a great parcel of land that is right across the river from the River Greenway that we yeah. developed. And that development that Green Acres wants to do there would be a great development. But making sure we do it in the right way and we don't block access and we don't, uh, you know, pass something that's going to impede the rights of the other property owners, that's very important to the city as well. Um, speaking of development, um, 
a couple of weeks ago, you made the announcement that we were going forward with the uh, uh, villages on the village on the river mm-hmm. plan, the pi- private public partnership. Um, Legacy is still involved, but to a, I think it was said less than ten percent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right. The gentleman with uh, 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 Jeff Lamont, thank you, Lamont Companies, Jeff Lamont. Um, now that there's been the bankruptcy filing and what we know of all the connections that have that lend that you took into consideration when you made that decision, uh, there are clearly people who are not going to get paid out of the Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing uh, by uh, the Hulker Construction. Should Legacy still be making money from this deal when they aren't going to be able to pay the people who are going to be making claims against the bankruptcy of the company they were involved with? Oh, there's so many layers to that. It's a lot. You, you know, there, there's so many layers to that. So I, I want to go on record as I have many, many times. I said, you know, Aaron Holker and Holker Construction has nothing to do with Village on the River Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the three of the uh, of the partners in that project, Paul Sinclair, Canfield, mm-hmm. and, and Norm Drake, also have other business dealings. One of them was with Holker Construction. Well, um, they, in fact, own uh, Norm Drake own 30 percent which, which is as much as aaron hulker owned so right, right. In, in in very real terms he was uh, a a major shareholder in that company right so it's not and like it's just something in one of his little deals. no i'm saying but yeah. i'm saying that's another it's another business entity of his mm-hmm. um that has had a very tragic unwinding to that business for mm-hmm. reasons we all know mm-hmm. um separate from the village on the river project do i like how we got here I hate how we got here. Do I like where we ended up? Yes. Confident in the project. In fact, Friday when I have my press conference, 100-day press conference, I'm going to talk about a few of the biggest wins. And the one I'm most proud of is the due diligence that we did on this Village on the River project, Mm -hmm. all the meetings I had on this, and then pulling the media together and say, Jeff, come down from Aberdeen. Let's get up in front of the media. Let's talk about this thing. Let's not keep hiding behind. It's a great project. Let's talk about it. I hate how we got here, but I love where we ended up. And that's what I just keep saying a lot. Hate how we hate the process Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of problems in the process. Is the city in a very good spot with the project we are? People are probably rightly upset that Norm Drake is still involved, but is there any legal way that you, that he could have been removed from this project? You know, we have a binding contract. So without putting the city in, in, you know, legal quandary, mm-hmm. um, no. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're doing the right thing by the city and by the taxpayer as well by making sure that we don't put ourselves in a spot for litigation uh, or a, an unnecessary lawsuit. Um, when If there was a chance we felt that the project was in a bad spot by having, you know, the investor makeup that we have, we would look at that, but we're not. And so we're going to kind of continue to move forward with, with Jeff being the uh, uh, the primary lead on the project, which we're really excited about. Have you ever talked to Norm Drake? Yeah, several times. Lately? Um, not lately. It's been probably two months, maybe. Yeah. What does he say about his involvement with this? You know, Norm is Norm's a, Norm's a great guy, and Norm knows that there's um, some perception versus reality in this this whole thing. Uh, uh, I, I think Norm is um, is a good businessman. Uh, Norm basically brought this project and brought in Jeff Lamont and Lamont Companies, and that's why they're still staying involved to some extent. But I can't speak for Norm. I just know that he's part of the project. He's a small partner in the project, along with uh, with Paul and um, and his other 
partner whose name's escaping yeah. me. Paul, Paul Sink, Sink and, and uh, 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 Canfield. Larry and Canfield. Larry Canfield. Yeah. Both great guys as well. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Mayor Paul Tenhaken uh, on some other issues facing our city. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we are talking with Mayor Paul Tenhaken of the great city of Sioux Falls. Now approaching his hundredth day in office, and I, I got to tell you, he looks okay. He's not—he's not too haggard. The hair is still still dark. there. Yeah, it's still there, and it hasn't turned completely. A little more gray. salt in it, <laughs> not much, but a little. Sort of like you know what happens to presidents. Oh, hair. guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that bad. <laughs> uh, are you able to get any sort of? You and I have talked a lot about uh, 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 physical activity, uh, yeah. uh, training, running, biking, all that. Are you able to do anything anymore? Are you just going to be a fat old man when no. this is over? Fitness is still a big part of my life because that's stress management for me. If I don't, if I don't get out and run or bike or swim on a regular basis, I kind of lose my mind. So, it gives me a chance to think, clear my head. Uh, I talk a lot with my maker when I'm out running to give me advice, give me guidance. So, uh, so no, I'd still do a lot of fitness. Went out and swam uh, a couple thousand yards this morning just to clear the head. So, do you want to tell people that story? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went to the Midco Aquatic Center, of course, fabulous facility, and it was closed for uh, some work we're doing there. So, I got to the office, I got to the desk, and they're like, "Oh, Mr. Mayor, we're closed today." I'm like. Oh snap! So could you just could you just let me go in? Yeah, no, no exceptions. <laughs> so over, that had to be over to great life. Yeah. That had be an awkward moment for the folks at the. Oh, uh, a little bit because it was five thirty in the morning and I had I was all ready to go and they had to shut me down. So <laughs> well, it's all right. Next time, mm-hmm. um, are we? Uh, uh, first of all, public input on the that was like, the first big controversy. Mm-hmm. Not the first, but it was. Uh, uh, you guys came up with the fix. It's now been in place in August. You were been there for the whole thing because you were you were gone. But public input, are you cool with how it's going? I love how it's going. Um, I had my you know I chaired a meeting last week and went great. What's going to happen tomorrow night? I anticipate there's going to be some input at a couple of the issues on our agenda that they're going to require more than three minutes. You mm-hmm. can't. You, they're not going to get their point across, and that's okay because as the as the meeting chair, I have the discretion to let that go, and I'll let that go. So those guidelines were set in place to be guidelines, mm-hmm. but you have to remember the council chair can run the meeting, or excuse me, the uh, the meeting chair can run the meeting as he or she seems fit. So. Um, I think it's working well. And talking about individual items on the agenda when they come up is, a, in my mind, different than the open public input at the beginning. Bingo. That's really, yeah. you, yeah. Have, you have the leeway. Yep. Um, and also now you have those really cool little lights. Yeah, right. So when we're, when we're watch, when at, our, uh, at our public input watch party, our yeah. city council watch party across the street, those little, thank you for those little lights because now we can tell when somebody's beginning you to enter see. the danger zone. There you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, uh, public transportation. I want to talk about this because you know I like public transportation. And not just, it, it always comes down to a discussion about paratransit. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the entirety of our transportation infrastructure. And when you were running, we talked a little bit about this. Now that you're mayor, um, are we? how are we going to have this, what I consider, to be a very important discussion about how we plan for moving people around this community, whether it's driving, whether it's uh, you know some sort of bus transport, public transport, mass transport, alternative means, all of it taken in together. I don't feel like we have a consistent sort of philosophy and vision mm-hmm. for this. 
when are we going to have that mm-hmm. that real discussion? You have great people working for you who know how it works. I do. And in um on the short term, I have a meeting next Thursday, which is our public transit, let's lay it all on the table meeting. It's our first come to Jesus meeting we've had on public transit. Because I don't want to be an administration that at the end of my term just talked about, God, this is a real issue we need to figure out. I want to have some demonstrable wins that we've gotten under our belt to say this is how we improve public transit. The I take a little bit of comfort in the fact that almost every municipality I talk to, and I was at a conference with some mayors mm-hmm. recently, they all struggle with public transit and how to make it efficient uh, and how to make it serve people in the right way. Um, what I think we, we, we have really a couple problems. One is we have a perception problem, and we have, we're, we're a drivable, um, we're drive-friendly car ownership mm-hmm. community. It's our and philosophy. That's cool. It is. The car ownership part of it is cool. It is, but people don't people don't think of transit and bus uh, the bus system as a way to get around, and, and they don't think of it that way because it's not a convenient way to get around. No, but if we're all driving to the same places and we're growing like crazy, we're going to hit a kind of a crisis point, right, where well, we can't and, afford it anymore. And I'm a, I'm a big tech guy, futurist guy, and what, what ride-sharing has done to the taxi cab market – there are some innovations that are being done to the public transit market as well to say, hey, the way we've been doing public transit for forever, it's ripe for private sector innovation. And so just like Lyft and Uber have transformed the taxi cab business, um, I think there's some things brewing that could potentially, um, you know, through our wrench in our, our existing public transit model or bus system mm-hmm. and say, can the private sector do this better and more efficiently and have the city get out of this game and have us just work with and subsidize a private sector business who wants to be in this and who can turn a profit doing it. Because that's what entrepreneurship, public entrepreneurship, you see a problem, you identify and say, I can make money on this. That's what entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. And we have a problem. People want a service. We're charging too much for it. We're not making enough money for it, whatever the problem is. Um, it's ready to be solved. But sometimes city government isn't always the, f- the most efficient um, group to solve some of these problems. And sometimes we take the path of least resistance. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that in these conversations we are – I don't want to ask you a leading question. To what degree are we uh, dictating and planning properly? And to what degree are we following private development? Meaning if if a developer goes in and does you know a series of – track housing of whatever kind, multifamily, whatever. We have to come back and figure out how we're going to move the people around, Mm -hmm. right? As we do, we got to figure out how the sewer, we got to figure out all the infrastructure Mm -hmm. that goes with that. But to what degree is the city guiding development enough? Well, you know, I I think the city does a a good job with that. You know, we have a 2040 plan that we've consistently executed to that, you know, opens up storm sewer basins and other things Mm -hmm. to kind of drive development. But are we letting the developers dictate to us what is happening and then trying to fix it on the back Not necessarily. And I'll use the northwest part of town as an example in an area out by Southeast Tech and now the Sanford Sports Complex that... It's one of the fastest growing areas of the city right now, and Sanford's making some incredible investments in their complex. Mills Fleet Farm looked at the entirety of our city, decided they want to be there. 
I talked to Van Busker companies. They're building move-up homes now mm-hmm. in the northwest part of the community. We've had developers clamoring for open up the south end and the east side of town. They want to develop more. But we said, we got to recoup some investment on the northwest side of town. And that's now happening um, because of some of the private sector investments that are happening there. So do we stick with a 2040 plan and say, hey, we're going to be so rigid and we're not going to pivot from this ever? No. But we also have a lot of smart people in our planning and zoning departments that have you know, looked at the future growth of this city and say, hey, this is where we're going to have to continue to grow in order to provide services in a, in a cost-effective manner. And I look at the northwest part of town as an area that's kind of done that, done that well. And it's tough to get around out there. I mean, not tough to get around driving. If you don't have a car, if you don't have two cars, yeah. a lot of people, if you're not making well above the median income you you're giving a big chunk of your income to driving that car drives me nuts mm-hmm. you know it drives me nuts i know and trust me i would love to have a public transit system that covered every street in this city uh and ran every 15 minutes outside your house but, but maybe the, but maybe yeah that's a we, it's we're just, out of it's time. a it's a we're that's a hard it topic it that's is. a hard topic i look forward to that discussion it. with the uh with the folks and we'll we'll talk yeah. about it next time yeah thanks man uh, Mayor Paul Tenhaken, he is approaching his 100 days. That is on Wednesday. There's a presser on Friday, and we'll all, oh, there'll be all kinds of good stuff there. But, uh, Mayor, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Coming up after the break, we'll tell you what's going on tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Great event coming up Saturday. That is the Macross and Extreme Event Challenge Rodeo, five thirty p.m. at the Macross and Boys Ranch. Boys Ranch featuring barrel racing, mutton busting, and the Northern Bull Riding Tour. All proceeds benefit the programs for at-risk youth at Macross and Boys Ranch. For more information on that event or any event, go to KSOO.com. Coming up tomorrow, let's see, let's see. Our guests are the Boon Man on Weird Friends. That's going to be good. Uh, blogger Pat Powers of Dakota War College will be in, and we'll chat about politics from uh, Pat's, uh, we'll call it the right side of the aisle. He's somewhere just right of center in the, I, I would put him at a six and a half in the world of uh, uh, current right-wing politics. On the continuum, On yes. the continuum, Yes. And uh, we'll have Pat on. It's always an informative conversation. So we will see you tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.